you can see us live where there's a, an ability to connect in some form of community from a distance. It's got live chat, our Bible and live prayer app. It's got links and resources and our notes section. And um, it's just kind of our best attempt to help you feel the goodness of what it is to be together from a distance. And um, that said, uh, however you choose to participate with us online, whether that's right now or later, um, we want you to know um, that's important to us. And to those of you here that you would choose to be here this morning on all the things you could be doing, um, we want you to know it's a gift to us and we're so thankful. So um, today we're diving into week two of a new sermon series we already talked about a little in announcements called After Easter, where we're processing different post-resurrection stories to see how these men and women responded to the resurrected Jesus, um, but also as a way to help teach and encourage us with regards to our own after Easter experiences. And I don't know about you, it's only been two weeks since Easter, and for some reason it feels like it's been like two years, um, and maybe that's just me. Um, I don't know how much resurrection experience you felt over the last two weeks, um, and I think that's part of the idea behind this series, is that we can celebrate Easter and acknowledge what it means and how good it is, and then we continue on and we pretty much don't think about it. And, and we're hoping that that's a different thing that happens for us as One Life Community Church, that the, the, the realities of the resurrection not just hit us on Easter, but they hit us in our day-to-day, -day, in our faithful present moments and whatever's going on, and um, we can see some examples of what that looks like in the scriptures. So, that's what we're going to be doing today. Before we get started, though, let me start with a word of prayer. Father, Son, Spirit, we thank you for your goodness and your grace that kind of like the sunrise, um, it happens every day. And there's days when we are just overwhelmed by its beauty and awe. And there's other days where we're not even aware it happened. Um, your resurrection is happening in and around and through us all the time, whether we're paying attention or not. And God, this morning, we want to remember that, that there's something incredibly powerful about the resurrection in the midst of our here and now, and help us to know it, experience it, and respond to it. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today, it's my hope that as we look at these stories, you're going to be encouraged um, to own our fears and our doubts um, and are also hoping that we will have a different kind of understanding of the incredible goodness of what it means to be together, to be the church, to be in community. Because over the last two years with this pandemic, we have lived in some serious fear. And honestly, some of us still do. And with all of this, many of our patterns of life have changed and participating in church has particularly had a significant hit. The pandemic challenged many of us to even question, why do we even go to church? What's the point of showing up? Why do we need to be present? Why do we need to be around other people? Why can't I stay in my pajamas at home? And then we have these fears and doubts and we're not even sure the resurrection is real in the midst of this because we've gotten stuck. And my hope is that today we see 
some answers to some of these questions. We think about why this is really important. And today we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 53, which is actually two post-resurrection stories. Um, But together I hope they show us some really powerful truths that I think we need to hear and receive today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 24, starting with verse 13. If you don't, um, you could use our Bible app online, or you can follow along as it's read. And Crystal's going to read from us today. It's, it's a pretty lengthy section, and I'm having it read in the message today just so we kind of hear it in a slightly different way. And I just want you to think about this. These are people experiencing a resurrected Christ for the first time. Um, and I want you to think about what this might be like for you, what this might be like for them, and then we'll move on. So with that, here's Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 53. That same day, two of them were walking to the village Emmaus, about seven miles out of Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them. But they were not able to recognize who he was. He asked, what's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happened during these last days? He said, what has happened? They said, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic in word, work and word, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death, and crucified him. And we had our hopes up that he was the one, the one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it happened. But now some of our women have completely confused us. Early this morning, they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was back, vision of angels. Who said he was alive. Some of our friends were off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the woman said, but they didn't see Jesus. Then he said to them, so thick-headed, so slow-hearted. Why can't you simply believe all that the prophets said? Don't you see that these things had to happen, that the Messiah had to suffer and only then enter into his glory? Then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went on through all the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He, he acted as if he were going on, but they pressed him. Stay and have supper with us. It's nearly evening, the day is done. So he went in with them, and here it is what happened. He sat down at the table with them. Taking the bread, he blessed and broke and gave it to them. At that moment, Opened-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him, and then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. 
Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us? They didn't waste a minute. They were up and on their way back to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and their friends gathered together, talking away. It's really happened. The master has been raised up. Simon saw him. Then the two went over everything that happened on the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. While they were while they were saying all this, Jesus appeared to them and said, Peace be with you. They thought they were seeing a ghost and were scared half to death. He continued with them, saying, Don't be upset and don't let all these doubting questions take over. Look at my hands, look at my feet. It's really me. Touch me. Look me over from head to toe. A coast doesn't have muscles and bones like this. As he said this, he showed them his hands and feet. They still couldn't believe what they were seeing. It was too much. It seemed too good to be true. He asked, do you have any food here? They gave him a piece of leftover fish they had cooked. He took it and ate it right before their eyes. Then he said, everything I told you while I was with you comes to this. All the things written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms have to be fulfilled. He went on to open their understanding of the word of God, showing them how to read their Bibles this way. He said, you can see now how it is written that the Messiah suffers, rises from the dead on the third day, and then a total change, life change through the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name to all nations, starting from here, from Jerusalem. You're the first to hear it. You're the witnesses. What comes next is very important. I am sending what my father promised to you, so stay here in the city until he arrives, until you're equipped with power from on high. He then led them out of the city over to Bethany. Raising his hands, he blessed them. And while blessing them, made his exit, being carried up to heaven. And they were on their knees, worshiping him. They returned to Jerusalem, bursting with joy. They spent all their time in the temple, praising God. Yes. Crystal, for reading that. It was a big chunk. I appreciate that. This is a last-minute volunteering, and I handed you like three books worth of text, so thank you for doing that. Um, as I know that was a lot of scripture, I do want to be clear. We're not going <laughs> to pull everything out of these texts um, to dive into all the details. Um, what I want us to see are some patterns, and hopefully you heard them. Um, and it's my hope that these patterns connect to all of us and they help us see why being together as the church is so incredibly important. And so with that, the first thing I want us to see that's present in every post-resurrection story is the presence of doubt. All four Gospels have many interesting variations in their accounts of these post-resurrection experiences of Jesus. But the one thing that they're absolutely consistent on is that every single person doubts. 
their experience of this post-resurrected Jesus is welcomed with doubt. No one, and this includes Jesus' own disciples, the ones who were closest to Jesus and spent the most time with him. In fact, they were the highest level of doubters, and it starts with them. It starts with the disciples. Actually, earlier in the verses, right before this text, Luke tells us that the disciples dismissed the testimony of the women who had been to the empty tomb as, quote, an idle tale, which is a really watered-down translation of the Greek word that's used there by Luke, which is the word leros, which it's where we get the word delirious from. So in response, in the testimony of these women, basically the disciples say they're out of their craziness mind. They're, they've lost it. That's what the disciples have said about the women's testimony. But if we're being honest, right, that should be expected, right? We are not in a place where the world typically coughs up dead people. Right? That's not something we're used to. So the testimony that there's this person who has died, this brutal death, is now raised again, it kind of upsets the natural order of the world and makes us fearful. It challenges us to rethink everything. And the thought of this should bring up fear and doubt. And so no wonder the disciples doubt these women and their testimony. Except that it's not just their testimony that they doubt. It's even Jesus's testimony that they doubt. That's what's so astounding about this scripture passage. So far in Luke's account, the disciples have heard and dismissed the women's testimony. Peter then ran to the tomb, confirms at the very least that it's empty. Two disciples on the road to Emmaus were encountered by Jesus and have returned to tell their story and now wait for it, now Jesus appears among them and invites them to literally touch him as a way to dispel any doubts that they might have as a showing that he's been crucified and resurrected. And Luke says this, while in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering. I love this sentence. While in their joy, they were also disbelieving and wondering. Even after all this, they still don't believe. And even more marvelous is that they can be both joyful and disbelieving at the same time. And I don't know about you, that feels like me often. I'm constantly living in the tension of joyful celebration and disbelief and doubt. This is the disciples of Jesus with these incredible eyewitness experiences, and this is how they respond. And so what I hope you hear is that uh, no one should tell you that doubt is the opposite of faith. If anything, doubt is the necessary ingredient for faith. And if you think about it, faith by definition is trust in spite of a lack of evidence. Faith is not just knowledge. Faith is more of a tension-filled kind of experience. It's acting as if something is true even when we don't have proof of it. And this is really important for us to understand as followers of Jesus because it means that when we talk about the gathering of the faithful, when we talk about being the church, we're talking about people who don't have all the answers. 
People who struggle with doubt. We're not talking about people that have it all figured out and have no doubts and they're absolutely certain of anything and everything. It's people who can come with their questions and doubts and fears and still have joy and wonder and awe. And the message that is this good news about new life in Christ. This also includes people who are searching. That's what they want. They want to find joy and wonder, but they haven't yet. But they have hope. They have faith. And so they're coming to figure this out. And so what this means is that we need to be honest about the things we're feeling. We all have doubts. That's okay. In fact, I'd I'd say that's a good thing. Because in our culture right now, Christianity has become known as a bunch of know-it-alls who are certain about everything. Everything is absolute. It's super clear. And if you understand this, then everything makes sense. But when we look at these post-resurrection stories, we see that's not the case. They're literally face-to-face with the resurrected Christ, and they're doubting. Each one is filled with doubt and joy, confusion and amazement, fear, and this very posture that we need more of in the church, and that is a posture of learning and hoping and doubting and growing. And that's actually at the very core of what it means to be a disciple. And if we're being honest in light of all the death and trauma and fear and disappointment and tragedy and wars that covers humanity right now, I'd say if you don't have at least some difficulty believing the promise that God has not only raised Jesus from the dead, but also promises new life, forgiveness, and grace to all, you're probably not paying attention. Because it's not easy. This is where community comes in. Where relationship comes in. And this is where we see the second pattern that we see in the stories that leads to the importance of why we need to show up and be in community with our doubts. And this pattern is repeated in both of these post-resurrection stories, in the Emmaus story and this group gathering of the disciples. And the pattern looks like this. First, we see an encounter where they experience Jesus and they don't recognize him. Then there's an explanation where there's scripture and the resurrection and the lens of that coming through scripture. Then there's some type of eating involved. And as they eat, there's an enlightenment. The disciples' eyes are open. Their minds are open. Their understanding and their hearts become on fire and they can see and recognize Jesus. And then there's this exit. And so when we look at the first story, these two people from Emmaus, they're returning home, continuing to believe that the reports that the women gave was just crazy. It's at that point where they encounter this stranger on the road, and they tell him what happened in Jerusalem. And they share what happened to Jesus and how the tomb was supposedly empty. But as the stranger observes, it says, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had declared. Jesus then tries to explain to these people by connecting the dots between what Jesus has said and done and what is currently happening now and how it's all tied to the scriptures. As they're having this conversation, they invite this stranger to eat with them. And as the stranger starts breaking the bread, they're enlightened. 
Their eyes are opened. Their hearts become on fire. They realize that they've been speaking to the resurrected Jesus. And then instantly Jesus is like, peace out. And he's out. There's pattern. Then these two who just have this experience, they, they head out to Jerusalem immediately. They're excited to tell the other disciples what happened. It's at this moment that the pattern repeats itself. They gather with the disciples and there's this encounter of Jesus. But again, they don't understand what's happening. They then appear to connect the figure with the crucified Jesus, but they don't understand. They think it's a ghost, and so they're confused and full of doubt. Then Jesus seeks to explain what's happening by offering his body. Say, check this out. Look at my wounds. And as he did this at the table in Emmaus, he then eats this piece of fish because ghosts don't eat fish, right? So there's a, <laughs> that's something helpful. Uh, and continues his explanation and in doing so enlightens them opens their minds to the scripture showing that everything they've learned and been taught by Jesus has led to this very here and now moment and what's really interesting to note is that Luke doesn't then say all the disciples believed after this there's no statement saying how many of you got it how many didn't who doubted who didn't it's left blank and I think he did that on purpose. We don't know. How did they experience all this? Literal touching of this body. And here we have one significant addition to the story. Although Jesus did not send Cleopas and his companion out to be witnesses, that's exactly what they did, right? After they have this experience, they literally get up and go. But in the second parallel story, Jesus directly tells the disciples, as a result of this experience, you are witnesses. Not you will be, not get ready, you were, but you are witnesses. With your current doubts and fears, you are witnesses. Pre-Pentecost, you are witnesses of this. Then, as Jesus did in Emmaus, Jesus makes his exit. He's peace out again, a little different, ascends to heaven. That's pretty awesome. But that's the pattern. And so then the question becomes, so what? What do we do with this? What's the point? Why are you showing us this? I think this pattern helps us each see how our own stories and our own doubts in our own wrestling with what this means in our day-to-day, -day, joins with the disciples in their post-resurrection stories. You see, every day we experience times where we've literally missed the very presence of Christ in our midst. We often go days where we don't even recognize that God is literally doing something in and around and through us. And so, we can understand something of what these disciples are going through. And so each time when we come and we gather together as a community, just like we are right now, we come with our doubts and our confusions and our fears and our misunderstandings. Each week through worship, we encounter the risen Christ, reading and teaching of the scriptures. We are offered an explanation, proclaiming the good news of what God has done and is doing and will continue to do. Each week, just like this morning, we eat and take communion to remember the work of Christ on the cross and the power of resurrection that we need to be reminded of. 
And then the Holy Spirit then brings this enlightenment, opening our hearts and our minds and, and setting our hearts on fire again. And then each week we end with a benediction and a sending out and an exit, reminding us that Christ has indeed sent us out into this world as witnesses of this amazing news, still holding both our joys and our doubts. And this is why we gather as a community, both here on a Sunday, within our core groups, within neighborhood care groups. It's because we absolutely, as humans, need this. We need a place where we can process the tension of the resurrection that we all experience all the time, both the joys and the realities of it that are good and the doubts that is hard for us to hold. And we need a place where we can help each other see God at work in our midst as witnesses through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so just like these stories, sometimes we show up and it's us being able to help somebody see the work of the resurrection. And oftentimes it's somebody else helping us. Right? Sometimes we come with our doubts and there's other people who join us and come alongside of us and care for us and support us. Sometimes we come with joy and we're there to share that with someone. And so what I want us to hear is that our doubts along with our joys, it doesn't matter what balance or tension we're holding, it doesn't change our witness. It's owning the present tension of both of these at all times and sharing that truth with others is where the power of the resurrection comes. It's not someone who has it all figured out and has no doubts and no fears. A person who has it all figured out with no doubts or fears is not a disciple of Jesus because the resurrection changes everything we know. And just when we think we understand it, we're very clearly informed we don't. And so we need communion and enlightenment from the Spirit in order to be refueled. We need to be reminded of our sentness and how it's in holding the tension of our joy and our doubts that we are witnesses of the good news of the resurrection. And I don't know about you, but the pandemic has magnified my need and desire to be in community with you all as the church. Every Sunday when you guys show up and when you guys come online, I get emotional. And I can still remember the very first Sunday that we opened up in here, and I pretty much wept the entire time. And even for a year and a half or two, when Greg and Brian and I were here running the online platform, just the three of us, um, as great as we've put all this time into the online platform, um, and as great as it is that we can connect with people in ways that we never could before, um, the reality is it's not the same. It's not the same as face-to-face. -face. It's not the same as shared life. It cannot reproduce what it is to be faithfully present in somebody else's space. Amen. Amen. And, and when we were here, just the three of us trying to run that thing, thankfully we like each other, so that was good, but it is not the same. There's, it, the first time we had voices to hear other people singing, we all were losing it. Because just the power of hearing multiple people singing praise to Jesus, seeing people come up to pray, seeing some people raise their hands when other people couldn't raise their hands in worship, it does something. And it can't be reproduced 
online like I wish I could. And the problem is, this is why the church has been in decline. Because for over the last two years especially, we've gotten stuck. We've been stuck with our fears and our doubts. We've been stuck in isolation. And it makes us exhausted. It makes us depressed. It makes us stressed. It takes away our motivation. It makes it hard. I saw a recent survey that came out just recently by Barna, and it said that as of March 22, the percentage of pastors considering leaving the ministry has gone up 42% in the last year. 42%. And here's the top reasons. 56% saying it's because of the immense stress on the job. 42% saying it's because they feel lonely and isolated. 38% saying because it's of current political divisions. 29% saying it's because of the effect the role's having on their family. And 29% saying it had to be, it's hard to be optimistic about the future. And when I saw this, I thought, yep, I get it. I feel all these things all the time. You know what else I thought? Every single person I talk to, it doesn't matter what their job is, pretty much tells me the exact same thing. They're feeling stressed, isolated, divided, family struggling, hard to be optimistic. Anybody else feeling some of that? Okay. This is why we need to be together in community, sharing life sharing our doubts, sharing our fears, sharing our joys. Because when we come together with all of this and we bring this together in prayer, when we bring this together in worship, as we learn together, as we remember Christ through communion, we are moved by the Spirit. And it allows us to be witnesses of the truth of the resurrection to our world that desperately needs to see that it is a here and now thing present in our doubts and our joys. And it's not just something that we look to in the past, and it's not something that's just coming a long way in the future. It's something right now. And, and it reminds us that we are the ones called to bring that as the witnesses of that to our friends and to our neighbors and to our coworkers and to our community because everyone's feeling all of this. I don't know about you, but I have found that I've needed this far more than I ever realized in my walk with Jesus. And so what I want you to know is uh, I cannot thank you enough for being here. Those of you who are online, thank you for being here. Those of you who are new, thank you for being here. Your presence, your participation, bringing both your doubts and your joys, um, are incredibly important. And I hope as a result of today and for what we've talked about, you are able to think about where you're at in that tension of the resurrection between your joys and your doubts and everywhere in between and having that intersect with where you are in your life right now. And I hope you are reminded that the power of the resurrection isn't just in the past and it's not just in the future, it's here and now. And you may receive it in different ways from other people. And that's what we need is a community sharing that together and taking it out and bringing that to others. 
So with that, I'm going to invite our worship team to come forward. And as they do, they're going to play music for a little bit just to give us a little space to kind of think about what we've heard and, and think about our own stories and where we're at. And I, I'm going to invite you to use your connection card to share some thoughts with me. If you're in the room, it's on your seat. You may be sitting on it, so you may have to move, grab it. Um, if you're online, there's a link in the online platform for you to use. And um, it's just a super helpful way. Again, being in community, how do we do that? Well, it's we actually respond. We share. We tell the truth. And so I want to invite you to do that with this connection card. Question number one. In two to three words, just let us know how you're doing. I've been doing this with uh, the classes I teach at the Seattle School of Theology and Psychology. Um, most of my classes are all Zoom classes, so we don't, they don't get to have the kind of hallway chatter in between classes. So where do you get to share how you're doing? So just two or three words, if that's all you had to explain how you're doing, what would it be? And be honest. Number two, when it comes to your faith in Jesus on a scale of one to 10, how hard is it for you to share your doubts? And think about that not just with other Christians. How hard is it for you to share your doubts with people who don't know Jesus? Same scale, how hard is it for you to share your joys? My guess is there's some difference between those two, and I wonder why. Because my guess is we hold them both. Number three, in what ways can you identify with the responses of these disciples regarding their after Easter experiences? And I'm going to challenge you. A lot of times we like to read these stories where they're actually touching the hands and all this. Thing. And we like to say, good grief, what is wrong with these people? If that was me, I would be, just be totally 100% in. Let's just be honest to say your mind would be blown and you would be overwhelmed with both joy and incredible fear. So how can you identify with this and be honest? And number four, where have you seen or experienced the realities of the resurrection this week in your here and now, and who could you share that with? Both followers of Jesus, because followers need to be encouraged as well, but who are some other people who don't know Jesus that could use a glimpse of the work of God in their presence? So whether you answer one or two of these or whatever, I'd love to hear from you. If you're here in the room and writing on your card, as you leave, you could drop it in one of the wood boxes in the door. If you're on the online platform, you just hit submit. It's super easy, and it means the world to us to hear from you. Um, because, again, your presence, your participation, your interaction with us is critical to what it means for us to be One Life Community Church. So with that, feel free to use this space as the band's going to play. You can use it to pray, to confess, to own, to give thanks, to receive, uh, to be filled, whatever you feel called to in this time. Um, our prayer team's going to come on back up. They'll be here. If you need prayer for any reason in the space, you can just come join them. Um, if you're online, uh, the prayer app is live. All you have to do is hit the request prayer button on the left side of the chat. Um, and... Uh, Again, they'll connect with you to pray and, and just be aware that they're juggling both. So if they don't respond right away on one or the other, it's just because they're praying for somebody else. So just be knowing of that and take advantage of that. I'm going to close our time with a word of prayer. Brian and the team will give us some space to reflect and then we'll end with one last song of response. Father, Son, Spirit, we thank you for the reminder of the here and now faithful presence of the resurrection. We thank you for these examples 
of these disciples who knew you so well and that in their experience of you were able to be faithfully present to you with their fears and their doubts and their joys and everything else. And you still call them your disciples. You still call them your witnesses. This is before they've received the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus, that we have the Holy Spirit, that we are empowered by your Spirit, but we confess we still can't do this on our own. We still need reminders of the resurrection. We still need reminders that you are at work in and around and through us. We still need a place where we can come and be honest about our doubts and our struggles and what this looks like in our day-to-day life. And we still need a place to come where we can share our joys of what it means to walk with you, with the goodness and grace that you bring through Christ on the cross and the resurrection power. And God, I pray that you would continue to move us in a way that we can all be together. As much as I want us to be able to have our online presence, and I'm not giving that up, God, I'm being honest. I want more and more people here. And I pray, too, that it wouldn't just be the community that's been one life for years, as great as that is, but God, I pray that you would help us to continue to be your sent ones and your witnesses that would be bringing this reality to others and that the invitation, the the witness that doubt and fear and joy and overwhelmed is all welcomed would be um, something of a wonderful gift for someone to hear. Continue to move in us and around us and through us and help us to see you and respond to you and share that truth with others. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.